Welcome one and all to episode 156 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are, well, we're into college football and getting ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. We'll probably have some old school draft takes coming up shortly over the next couple months. But for now, we're it. that's where we're at. But before we get going, you're you're done with classes for a little bit. How are things going, man? Yeah, I'm on I'm on summer break. Um, for everybody who who doesn't know, I just finished my first year of law school, so that's why sometimes we have some hiccups with some timing, and we have to take some breaks here and there. But for the most part, we kept on schedule, so uh, that was good. And I'm excited to have the summer off to kind of dig into some of these teams. We'll get some summer scouting out there a lot of that's going to go on patreon and that is our two dollar uh tier we'll get you the bonus episodes and the four dollar tier the elite patrons will get the bonus episodes plus all of the college football previews so uh everything's great i mean last week we only did a patreon show so that is uh over there on the two dollar tier we also did a watch list which also is on the uh two dollar tier uh so I, that's the elite tier if i misspoke generational tier is the four dollar tier so uh thanks for everybody who supports us and for all of you who are not patrons we thank you too just for listening to the show yeah and tonight we're going to talk about the uh espn's way too early top 10 list but before we get into that let's run through 25 through 11 so they they have iowa starting as the 25th best team in the country. When we do this in August, yeah, August, this will be way more interesting. I kind of actually, I'll, I'll make sure we save this and we go back and, and kind of how things change during the off season when there was no football happening, right? But uh, Iowa is at 25, Tennessee at 24, Cincinnati drops from top five into 23, but that makes sense. And honestly, I'm surprised to see them in the top 25 after the mass exodus of like important players, right? I think it's a hat tip to Luke Fickle for the job he's done there. Kentucky at 22, the Will Levis uh, hype train starts. Um, Anytime you can get a quarterback prospect and then throw his team in the top 25, you got to do it. Ole Miss 21, Arkansas 20, BYU at 19. Baylor at 18, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons at 17. So um, I don't know what's going on right now. They have like fifth year sophomore Sam Hartman at quarterback. So, you know, they had a pretty good year last year, too. <laughs> and then you've got, then you've got Oregon at 16, Pitt at 15. Again, this is interesting. They lose Very. their two, two best offensive players. No questions. Uh, Oklahoma at 14, Houston at 13, Clemson at 12, and Oklahoma State at 11. So that's 25 through 11. Um, I guess the ones that stick out to me, and we're not going to spend much time, if any, on this, is is Kentucky, uh, Wake Forest. I mentioned Cincinnati already. Pitt and Oklahoma. Like, the Oklahoma one, especially that high, that's giving uh, that's giving a lot of credence to just being a blue blood program, right? 
Yeah, and they had a lot of guys transfer out too. Um, and then you have Brent Venables, a defensive coach, taking over what's been a offensive juggernaut of late. And you got uh, Dylan Gabriel coming in at quarterback from UCF, but he's an undersized guy. He's lefty. He's from a prolific offense, but we don't know what their offense is going to look like now that Lincoln Riley is gone. So are they, do they uh, have staff on board that's going to kind of keep that kind of same system? I honestly haven't done much digging into it uh, to figure that out. But um, Clemson, too. Why is Clemson 12? They were, they were in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. I was there. Yeah, but DJ Ugalele is still the quarterback. So I mean, we he was bad this. last year though, and I I we, trust me, I've got him on my dynasty team. I want him to be good, but he was not good. But that none of those teams matter. So let's get into the top ten. Okay, let's we're gonna start, start with ten. Yeah, let's start with Michigan. Um, coming off the best season they've had under Jim Harbaugh, their first playoff appearance. Um, big 10 champs. Let's acknowledge big, it. Even though it's big, painful to me. Right. Big 10 champs with a big, big asterisk. No, I'm just kidding. No asterisk, but big 10 champs. <laughs> no, we'll give them credit. Uh, but the key to their success last year was their defense. And now they bring in seven new starters on defense. Yeah. You lose Hutchinson, Ajabo, Dax Hill. There's three first rounders right there. Um, they lost a, a few other guys from the secondary, and they lost uh, Chris Hinton from defensive tackle position. So it's a a big change there. They've got a quarterback competition going on between um, their returning starter and J.J. McCarthy, who's like the, the uh, up-and-comer. He was a freshman last year, big-time recruit. So is Cade McNamara going to be able to hold off J.J. McCarthy? Uh, Hassan Haskins was a big part of their offense, a big part of why they, uh, how they wore down Ohio State. He has also moved on too. So a lot of changes there. They've got a running back, Blake Corum, who's a pretty good looking running back. And they've got a wide receiver, Cornelius Johnson, who I believe will be a senior this year. It's tough. It's always, it's still tough to know the eligibility, but he he's in his fourth year. We just don't know how they're, marking it because of the COVID situation still. So um, I think it's kind of a skeleton crew for Michigan compared to what it was last year. They lost a lot of big guns, and uh, especially Ojabo and Hutchinson. That that was such a big part of how they were able to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten. So I don't know what they've got. I don't think they're a top-10 team, and I'm not just saying that to be a hater. I just really don't think so. But I think McCarthy is going to eventually take that quarterback job. He is the more talented player with a bigger arm and better you know, overall game. And I think he's going to uh, be a player who ends up being pretty good. He might be Harbaugh's best quarterback when all said and done. At Michigan, to be clear. I was going to say, yeah. At Michigan. We're going to get somebody that's like, Andrew Luck. Uh, yeah, I know. I I caught myself. The other Michigan team, Michigan State, can they do it again with another running back transfer? This one, Jalen Berger. Can he pick up where Kenneth Walker III left off? Yeah, so they have Berger and they have uh, Broussard coming in from Colorado. So they've got two transfer running backs coming in 
I think Berger is the more talented of the two, even though Broussard may be the most accomplished of the two to date. Uh, but Berger has has a good athleticism. He's a big kid. And what they did with Walker, I mean, it's easy to see why Berger and Broussard both wanted to uh, give it a shot at Michigan State. Uh, Peyton Thorne comes back quarterback. He's not great, but he does have Jalen Reed, who last year caught 59 ca- catches for uh, 10, uh, 1,026 yards and 10 TDs. He is a player who transferred to Michigan State and has established himself as a top senior receiver in this class. I said a top, not the top, so I don't want, want to plant any flags right now. But uh, And they've got uh, defensive back Xavier Henderson back for a fifth year. He had a big tackle for loss numbers. He's big, big box safety. And he's uh, had a couple key picks in his career too. So I think this is a little high for this team because I think they really overachieved last year. And you saw that when they played Ohio State and they just got blown out of the water. But Michigan State's a solid program, and I think Mel Tucker's a good coach. Speaking of overrated, NC State comes in at number eight. And they they are looking for a new left tackle, too, which is interesting. Uh, they're also looking for a new running back, new defensive end. But they do have Devin Leary coming back, and he completed 65% of his passes and had a ridiculous 35 touchdown to five interception ratio last year. Uh, he's a little on the old side. He turns 23 in September, <clears throat> but he is only listed as a junior for them. He's a redshirt junior. So he could come back and play when he's 24 next year as a senior. But they they have uh, 17 returning starters back. So that's one of the highest of this top 10 to get all but four returning starters back. And uh, so I think that's why experience here is why they are being ranked so highly. And you've got a linebacker there, Drake Thomas, coming back with six sacks, 14 tackles for loss, three picks in 2021 so good all-around play from that guy who's an inside linebacker prospect number seven is notre dame with their new head coach um i just want to say it's really interesting that notre dame's at number seven and lsu nowhere to be found on this list i kind of get it but uh our our buddy emory hunt actually thinks that lsu is going to surprise a lot of people in the SEC and maybe win double-digit games this year. And I like that prediction because they've got some real talent down there. And I think Brian Kelly, whether you love him or hate him, most people seem to hate him, in the media at least, he's a good coach. And I don't know why Notre Dame's here at seven. I think people like Marcus Freeman. I like Marcus Freeman as a person, as a defensive coordinator. But what is Notre Dame bringing back? They've got a quarterback competition between Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, and they couldn't beat out uh, Jack Cohn last year. And really, the most notable players coming back, Isaiah Foskey, he did have a big-time year as a pass rusher last year. And then on offense, you got Jarrett Patterson, who's a three-year starter uh, heading into the year. So he'll close his career as a four-year starter on the offensive line. But you lost Kyron Williams. You lose a couple of receivers you got michael mayer at tight end and he's a junior now 
Yes, he'll be draft eligible. Okay. So that's probably their best prospect on offense is their tight end. And, you know, that I think that's not always ideal if your best prospect is your tight end, albeit a very, very good one. But um, I don't think this is a – you follow Notre Dame pretty closely during the regular season. Does this seem on paper like the number seven team in the country? No, and I'm actually shocked to see them this high. Um, You've got you know, a defensive coach with a quarterback competition of two quarterbacks who looked kind of shaky last year when they this, did play. This is the NBC bump and the fact that they'll and, – and then Notre Dame and Ohio State opened the season against each other, correct? We'll know a lot about Notre Dame after that game. Well, I mean – you don't want to. You don't want to uh, say, you know, that make a definitive definitive statement about a team after one game. But I think Ohio State has a huge edge in that game. It's a primetime game, and it will be a huge shocker to me if Notre Dame has enough firepower to hang with them for four quarters. From there, we move to Utah, and I've said this. This is kind of high too, right? But I've said this about uh, their coach. I can't remember his last name right now. Kyle's the first name. Whittingham. Yeah. yeah. Th- that dude, he just turns out like top 15 teams. And so I think when you look at it, something that uh, ESPN and probably the AP is going to try to do when they release their way too early top 25 is they're going to try to have all the conferences represented to make it seem like it's actually intriguing. Um, and we'll get to that in a second, but you've got Utah always going to be solid on defense, always seem to churn out, um, back end of roster NFL running back types. That's not going to change this year. Uh, Tavion Thomas led the pack 12 with 21 rushing touchdowns. Um, and then they got a cornerback Clark Phillips who had 13, hands on balls last year so two interceptions or sorry 15 third or two interceptions and 13 pass breakups that's that's a productive productive corner uh in college football that being said oh and they play in the pac 12 which is awful so all of that they went they went 10 and 4 last year they uh gave up a, a billion yards to ohio state in the rose bowl but they hung with them score wise so that's what it comes down to is you've got, you know, a lot of team or a lot of people that are just going to say, Hey, they've got this X amount of returning guys that hung with this team. Let's let them be high to open the season. Cause again, yeah, it's important to make other, the other conferences feel like they matter. They hung with Ohio state minus Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and, and gave up a record setting performance to both CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I mean, and they lose Devin Lloyd too, who played in that game. Although we we didn't did, see much of him. I was gonna say, did you um, know he played in that game? Yeah, that was one of my critiques of him. But <clears throat> Tavian Thomas is a good running back. He's a big running back. He's like two thirty, six foot two thirty ish. Phillips is a little bit undersized for a corner, but you mentioned the ball on ball production, so you like that. And if he if if he doesn't have the length that you want an outside corner. You can try and move him inside. So I do like those two players. Uh, Cameron Rising at quarterback, he played a really uh, good game, I thought, against Ohio State, and he uh, hurt them with his legs. 
So that is the type of player they've got there at quarterback. I think he's listed as a junior. So we'll see what what he does this year. But he had a pretty productive year last year. Uh, Utah, tough team, I agree. Uh, potentially the Pac-12 winners again, although USC is going to be really good, and we'll get to that in a second, or they should be anyway. But um, number six in the country seems lofty to me. Uh, I think there's going to be a huge shakeup from this way too early top 25 when all is said and done. Uh, five is Texas A&M. And I get, you got the whole Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban drama about NIL deals and paying players. Um, we all pay the players, a- right? <laughs> A&M ha- is going to have a new quarterback too. Is it going to be Hayes King or is it going to be um, – who's the other guy they got coming in? Uh, off the top of my head, hold on, let me look. But, yeah, I mean, you remember King was um, – He was a big-time recruit. And he was phenomenal in the first two games last year before he got hurt. He's just a different type of, of player. Um, you know, but, yeah, so they have Haynes, King, and uh, – Is it Matt Johnson? Max John- Johnson. Ma- okay, yeah, transfer from LSU. Yeah. And then they have – a kid named connor wigman true freshman yeah so unlikely to see him so it'll be interesting to see where they start so yeah they got a high-end transfer from lsu they have a four-star i think it's kind of kings it's kind of wild to put these teams that have these quarterback competitions between quarterbacks that haven't done anything in the in the top five top ten really um but I guess but, we do that with Alabama and Ohio State when, when they just reload, right? But here's the thing. If you don't, or if you take that in, to sit into consideration, you can't put 25 teams in the top 25 because there's not that many good teams. Like, quite frankly, like you said, uh, NC State, would probably be a little higher. That's probably why NC State's so high is because they have a known commodity, right? You've got... Yeah, um, and Leary, yeah. Yeah, you've got, um, you know, Michigan who, yeah, their defense led the way, but, you know, they they can bring back McCarthy who was, you know, the big-time recruit. And so those things matter. But then, like you said, Notre Dame, Utah, Texas A&M, and, and our number three team that we'll get to in a second... They all got to figure out what they're going to do without all of these guys they lost. But let's get to number four real quick because real quick though, you've got. I think it's interesting that you've got three SEC teams way down the list that we we breezed by: Arkansas, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, who Return they're the in the SEC, yeah. but they've all got these established quarterbacks, so to speak: Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, Levis at at Kentucky. And then um, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. But they must just think the SEC is just going to beat these teams up. And they're all going to lose five games. So I think that's what the the ranker here, Mark Schlebach, is doing. He's just – but on paper, I mean, to me, those teams are better than some of these teams we're mentioning in the top ten. Number four, and I am actually surprised they're not one place higher, is USC. First year of Lincoln Riley, but they get uh, Jordan Addison and then uh, Caleb Williams. 
they were four and eight last year, so obviously this is a huge projection. But they huge. also play. They also play in the Pac-12, which is a really bad conference. To put them at four, you're saying that Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison equates to like an eight-game swing, essentially. I would say a seven-game swing. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I quite frankly have not looked at their schedule. Uh, I'm doing that right now. But that being said, they're – they again, so you start with Rice. Okay, whatever. You've got <laughs> – you got Stanford, Fresno State, Oregon State, ASU, um, Washington State, Utah, Arizona, California, Colorado, UCLA, and then they play Notre Dame. So, like, if you just, even if they didn't have Williams and Addison coming into this and they just brought in Riley, you look at that and you go, maybe Utah, because that's a way, and they're a good program. And then from there, you're like, I mean, maybe Stanford, but I mean, like they, they just, and I get it. That's the Pac-12. It is what it is, but like, there's not a lot of talent. And so they get UCLA the end of the season. So unless it's just a complete disaster, they should be, you know, ready to go. And then they get Notre Dame the last game of the season at home. So, I mean, yes, they have two tough row games in Utah and UCLA, but the rest of the the schedule is like, I mean, it's might as well be you, me, and Rob lining up. <laughs> I, I mean, this is just, this is a huge hat tip to Lincoln Riley is what it is. And, and uh, Jordan and his, Addison is... His ability to pay people with the NIL now. <laughs> he, he has cranked out quarterbacks. There's no doubt. Uh, he couldn't do it with Spencer Rattler, so Caleb Williams took over. Um, I'm still not sold on him that he's like a number one overall prospect. Um, he did play I, better I'm than Rattler. You. What's that? I, I'm with you on that. Like, yeah, I got to I mean, see a lot better than than Rattler, but the the bar was kind of set low at that point, and now Rattler is on to South Carolina. Um, I think this is USC is going to be a top team in a matter of time with, I, I do believe that with uh, Lincoln Riley and his ability to put, put an offense together and, and recruit. And certainly he brought in some, some firepower. Addison is, is a mercenary for the year. He's only going to be there one year and then he's going to be on. But um, I think this maybe is jumping the gun a little bit, but USC is an up and comer for sure. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to be I, – I know there's been a lot of changes in the Pac-12. I'm not sure that USC is going to be better than Oregon or UCLA. Although, yeah, because UCLA, you know, you still got Chip. You got um, DTR coming back. So I don't think – I think the Pac-12 is going to be messier than what this top 25 is showing because I don't think there's a playoff team coming out of that conference just yet. Might be I, I mean, way. I mean, I agree, and so you're the, exactly you're saying that your team is going to the playoffs, and I I get that. Yeah, if USC's if USC's fourth overall, they're in the playoffs, and I I don't see a playoff team in the Pac-12 yet. And but, we'll revisit this throughout the summer. 
Right, but here's my thing, and that and the the Pac-12 is so bad. The, I mean, this is basically the Big Twelve. Like, there's not really that much of a difference. So, I mean, you have, yeah, I get it. You you have another top ten right now team in Utah, who I just defended, by the way. So I'm not like crapping on Utah, but like, so you play Utah and Notre Dame, so that makes your schedule. That's that's the other thing I think with this schedule making thing is that you get you get Utah and uh and Notre Dame on your schedule so you can always say oh we scheduled two top 10 teams right it's not our fault <laughs> that, that this our schedule's garbage so and then so we'll go to number 3 this one i mean i understand why they're the defending national champs they des- they deserve the respect but Georgia being 3 with only four starters back on D they also lose their top two running backs. Uh, they lost their top two wide receivers and George Pickens and the Burton kid that transferred. Like, they lost their top two offensive linemen and Saylor and, and um, uh, the other kid's name's escaping me. Like, it's just a, it's crazy to me that Kirby Smart has already garnered this type of of trust um we've we've already picked holes in all of these teams so it's not that crazy to me you know that's where i'll disagree with you because he's already been he's been to the playoffs he's coming off a national championship season right. he and won the a national is- championship with stetson bennett and, and he's the returning quarterback and i do agree you know you lose those top two running backs cook and Zamir White, but you've got Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. Those guys were both highly recruited. They're stepping in. Uh, receiver is a question mark, but you're not going to be a big passing team anyway. And you've got the the tight end. Uh, was it Bowers, who's a sophomore? And you've got the other tight end, Washington, who I believe is a junior. Those guys are big targets. But like you said, the big question, only four, four starters back on D. You lose a lot off that D line. You lose those three linebackers, um, but they do like a lot of scouts do like uh, Carter at defensive tackle, interior defensive line, better than the two guys that went in the first round. And you've got Keeley Ringo, who I think is a star at corner. Yeah, Ringo's going to be a freak. Um, you and I have talked about him quite a bit and right. o- off the air with uh, our buddy Kyle Posey because Kyle and I have coached against him since he was in youth football. Um, that dude's that dude's different, man. Uh, Is he a top 10 prospect? I'll tell you this. I mean, I've watched kids that are in the NFL. Um, he's literally the best player I've ever seen live. Like he just played. in high school. Yes. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, that's what I meant. Like coaching against, yeah. uh, he's literally the best player I've ever seen live. Like, and I've coached against like, and I've watched guys that are D one players, like a Bryce Perkins, uh, the Dylan Gabriel kid out of th- that's transferring to UCF or from not Dylan Gabriel, the other one, Mikey Keene, sorry. The one that's at UCF right now. Um, you know, the kid that's coming to, to Ohio State, Kerryon Graves, is a freak um, from Chandler. But, like, 
Keeley was straight up a different kid than everybody else that played. Like, it was just crazy to watch him. Um, because you don't expect a kid that that's big to to be able to move like he does. And yeah, he's legit six two, right, and yeah. over two hundred pounds. Yeah, and he was like that. Like the only kid that's close to him is Bijan Robinson that I've seen like live in Arizona, and it's crazy that they're both draft eligible this year. Like, and we will talk more about Bijan on the Patreon show this week. It's right, a teaser. But it's just it's crazy that those two kids came out of Arizona at the same time. And neither played in Arizona. So good job, Arizona State and U of A. Well, uh, Texas. Well, no, I just meant like not being able to recruit. Oh, oh for not, I, I get you. For not getting those guys. Of course yeah. they're not going to get those guys. I, I it's mean, between, you know, I, and Bijan should have picked Ohio State, let's be honest. Right. Anyway, speaking of Ohio State, so here, they're here's, number two. Here's my question for you. Looking at it as objectively as you can, Mm-hmm. Is it fair that Ohio State's two to Bama's one in this situation? Spoiler alert, by the way. Shocking, Bama's number one. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair. I don't, I don't think... Um, look, Bama has won how many national championships under Saban? And the last time Bama and Ohio State played each other, Ohio State waxed Clemson and then got their clocks cleaned by Bama with Justin Fields at quarterback, Ryan Day's still the head coach. I mean, Ohio State had a stacked team two years ago. It was a messed up season in 2020 because of COVID. Ohio State showed they were worthy of being a playoff team, even with a short season by by uh, dominating Clemson. But when it came to Alabama, they just got completely obliterated. So I think it's fair to, you know, on paper, Ohio State might seem like the better team because of what uh, what Alabama lost going into uh, this season. But Ohio State lost quite, quite a bit too, right? Uh, you got Stroud coming back, but you don't have Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave. You got Jackson Smith and Jigba, but you, uh, he's, you know, these guys, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka, they're going to have to step up. You also lose Jeremy Ruckert. You got Travion Henderson coming back. That's what I was going to ask. How much is Henderson going to be a key focus on the offense this year? I mean, because he was he was featured in the offense, mm-hmm. but I feel like this year, because you are breaking in new guys from, you know, obviously you have Smith and Jigbo, but then you've got you've got guys that haven't done it as much. Mm-hmm. Um don't you think that they got to rely a little more on, on Travion this year? Yes and no. Uh, I think Henderson is, I actually think he's going to be pretty close to, to his usage last year once he became a starter because they still really like Mayan Williams. They really like Evan Pryor, who's uh, going into his second year. And I think they're going to use C.J. Stroud's legs a little bit more this year as well. Uh, that was so, so a part of his game they did not utilize. And here you have, you know, Egbuka. I think he's a little bit of a question mark, but he was really highly rated uh, recruit coming out. And he's solidly built. He's about 6'1", 210. He's like a thicker receiver than them, what they've had over the last couple of years. But Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, he's the son of a Hall of Famer, and he has looked spectacular. Um, 
in the bowl game against Utah and then in the spring game. So I, I obviously you can't just say these guys are going to replace two guys that went in the top 12 of the draft, but I think Ohio state is not going to have to really rely on Henderson much more than they did last year, maybe a little bit more in the passing game, but he's so dangerous, whether he's running against a stacked box or whether you get him out in space, out in space on a, a swing pass. Like Henderson is a legit four, four guy. And, and, uh, as a freshman, I mean, he was everything you could have asked for last year. So, um, I have high hopes for the Buckeyes. I think, uh, they are a top two team in the country. This is one thing Mark Schleybach got right, but I get why they're still behind Bama. Yeah, and, and I think that's a fair point. And, you know, you have to look at it um, from that perspective. And, and you know, when, when it's all said and done, the play on the field should should square everything out. But going into the season, I think you have to put Bama at one. Yeah. So Bama's at one real quick. Is, you know, is Will Anderson the, the top guy in the draft? We'll elaborate more on this um, on Patreon. But I think he's the best prospect in this 2023 class. Now, the question is going to be, is he so good, is he so transcendent that he's a Miles Garrett type where you take him at one, even when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson or or uh, Pat Mahomes in the same class? And that's something we'll talk more about on Patreon. But Anderson had a ridiculously dominant season in the SEC last year. Um he should have been, we talked about this before, he should have been in the Heisman conversation over Aiden Hutchinson. And we liked Hutchinson. Correct. And and that's what's interesting about that. Um, is Bryce Young a top two quarterback coming into this year? It, for the draft, not college football. Yeah. Um, I think he, I, I think he is. So, but maybe that means that the quarterback class of this uh, 2023 class isn't quite as strong as we've let on because I think that you have to be at this point, you have to start to wonder a little bit about height mattering and, and things like that. Not every short quarterback is Russell Wilson. And I think we've seen that play out over the last few years. There have been some warts on all of the uh, sub six one quarterbacks over in recent draft history. And I, I don't think, I mean, your, your team has Kyler Murray. I don't think you'd really argue with me about that. I don't know. They're about to pay him $46 million. So I don't know what I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I talked about it with Murray too. The other issue with Murray or with, with like young versus Murray is Murray's kind of a thicker dude. Whereas Young is a very still hasn't like matured physically, and I think they list him at six foot one ninety four. I think and there's the, and he's probably so that means he's probably one eighty five, because they usually give him about ten pounds, and so, and he'll come into the combine at two hundred. When you think 
physically he's kind of like uh, Tyler Huntley, right? In or terms Matt of Corral build. this year. Corral was even bigger at over 210, I think, or was he around 205? But it, this is the thing, like Young, I mentioned it with Stroud. They've got to use Young more as a runner to really sell scouts on him, right? Yep. And, and so now you've also got the other question is, is he going to be able to run more this year? Is that something they're going to do? And then is this year's big transfer going to be Eli Ricks? Yes. That's an easier question for me to answer. Eli Ricks, um, kind of, kind of a freshman phenom in not quite to the Derek Stingley junior level, but had a really good year as a freshman. And, uh, I think he was banged up since then, but he's this year's Bama impact transfer. All that Jameson Williams was last year. You know, that's, Ricks is going to be a stud cornerback. He was pursued by Ohio State, too, and I'm sure other top programs. He ends up at Bama. I can't believe, can't Jimbo, blame him. I can't believe Jimbo didn't outbid him. <laughs> I wonder what Nick Saban would have to say about that. That whole thing, that's a conversation for another day, but that, that whole thing's hilarious to me. Like Nick Saban hasn't been pulling some strings for, for decades. I mean, obviously, Jimbo was probably doing the same thing at Florida State. I mean... Look, right, you don't, these you don't guys get, are are throwing get, rocks and glass houses left and right. Right, and you don't get the best players by playing fair. Like, let's just be completely open and honest about that. You got a hot take for us before we get out of here? Yes. Let me. Uh, and by the way, I just want to. I want to. You, you find your hot take. I want to. Uh, before he gets to it, usually one of us brings a hot take to the show that the other one has not prepared for. So we can kind of on the spot react, but tonight's a little different and it'll be worth it because I got to do some research. Okay. <laughs> so my hot takes coming from PFF fantasy and that PFF, as we've mentioned before is kind of a nice well for hot takes. And this one's from uh, their guy, Ian Hartitz and he says, is James Cook a sneaky good bet to lead all rookie running backs in fantasy points? Uh, so this is a fantasy take. We don't do a lot of those, but I, I thought this was a really hot take. Um, Seth, for some reason, people think that James Cook is going to be some kind of bell cow in a, a big, prolific offense, but this offense is heavily reliant on what Josh Allen does. And they also rotate two or three running backs. They're not going to just not play Devin Singletary. And uh, they probably will still play Zach Moss. They've openly compared Cook to J.D. McKissick. How is <laughs> James Cook going to be a uh, a running back, uh, a bet to lead all rookie running backs in fantasy points? Are they, is Brees Hall going to get hurt? The Jets don't have any competition for him. Are, are they just so incompetent that he's going to not score more than a guy from a three-back rotation in Buffalo? Well, to be fair, yes. But also, this is the takes on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss from Pro Football Focus. Oh, so, uh, okay, great. So in 2022... Um, 
Devin Singletary was a top 50 rookie from the 2019 regular season. And their take was uh, Singletary's poor receiving prevented him from climbing any higher than 45th on the list. But his production as a, uh, as a rusher is exactly what you want to see. Singletary produced 0.24 missed tackles per rush attempt, the third best mark among all qualifying running backs in the NFL. And he had the second highest rate of carries that went for 10 or more yards, 16.4%. Um, they ranked him higher than Ed Oliver, Cody Ford, and Dawson Knox. Okay. So they were all over Devin Singletary to be their running back one. Hold on. Oh hold my on. God. I think I remember their Zach Moss take. Now they I have don't Zach. Spoil. Now they have Zach Moss. Um, and this is from PFF's Kevin Cole and talking about how his 40 yard dash, it just doesn't matter. And <laughs> of course it, it should not impact on his draft position. Remember he was running back one in this draft class. Does anybody remember who else was in the 2020 NFL running back class? Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> oh yeah. That guy. That's like on a Hall of Fame pace. <laughs> like, I'm not. And, and like Ben, who who tweeted that? I didn't even pay attention. What was the guy's name? Or who wrote I don't the remember. article? So PFF Ben Lindsay tweeted out: There is not a running back in this class that is more elusive than Zach Moss. If I had one word to describe Zach Moss, elusive wouldn't be in the first 50. No, this reminds me of the the takes that people had when they said Devontae Booker was a better prospect than Ezekiel Elliott. You know, the running backs don't matter crowd just goes way too far off the reservation, man. Uh, this These takes are... are are crazy like Jonathan Taylor I, even the NFL screwed that up right they took Clyde Edwards Hilaire Edward in the first imagine? round the, the could, Kansas City you, Chiefs could you imagine uh, Taylor on the Chiefs our our friend Sully is constantly imagining that like he he dreams of that like it's ridiculous that that uh, Jonathan Taylor went 41st overall in that class he's a sprinter a guy with sprinter speed and, and over 220 pounds, and he's just, like you said, he's on a Hall of Fame pace through two seasons, and he's still underused by the Colts somehow. But um, Zach Moss, I mean, when you're using your grades and your, um, your made-up stats, like elusive rating or whatever, to put Zach Moss over Jonathan Taylor, you've got to recalibrate. Yeah, and it's crazy, and, like, look, you and I are in a, a dynasty league together, and uh, and it's it's a pretty intense one. It's competitive, and, and it's yeah. got a lot of heavy hitters in it. Yeah, and I took, I took James Cook with, what, the 12th pick in the draft, 11th pick in the draft, um, in the rookie draft, well, I should say. We haven't had that draft yet, Seth. 
Oh, no, no. I meant in the other one, the best ball one. The other. Oh, day. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one. And and because I needed a running back, like whether or not, you know, that being said. And I hope I hope to God James Cook is running back one because that's just going to make me some money in the end of at the end of the day. Right. Right. <laughs> but like, I just don't get how every time one team drafts the same position, this is the one. Because it all well, it does is guarantee you that you're not that that eventually you're going to be right. Well, I think it's it's just because like you want players from good offenses, right? Some analysts are just going to say like we we need guys that are on the Bills or the Chiefs or you know I don't know the Forty ers or Packers, but it doesn't work that way, right? Like you don't. I, I drafted Amari Rogers in a draft last year, just because he's on the Packers didn't mean he did anything. It didn't work that way. And um, you, you could have drafted Najee Harris and he didn't have great efficiency numbers. And Pittsburgh's offense wasn't uh, as good as usual last year because big, big Ben was getting up in years, but Najee Harris scores a ton of fantasy points and he's going to score a ton this year, whether you like him or not, but you can't just, uh, you know, Ed, Edward Solaire has been a huge disappointment for fantasy people. Jonathan Taylor has been very good. I can vouch for that. <laughs> Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, just thanks for listening and uh, stick with us through the summer. We're going to talk. We're going to do a lot of college football previews. Uh, this was just kind of a we're just kind of dipping our toes in right now. But we'll get into the conferences as we go on throughout the summer. Um, we are going to have a couple breaks in content because of summer vacations and trips that are planned. Uh, so the three of us, me, Seth, Rob, we'll get together and uh, work out kind of a workout a schedule to kind of give you guys a heads up. But um, otherwise, we're still planning on, on producing content throughout the summer. So stick with us. And uh, thank you again for listening. Yep. Thanks as always for listening. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. Um, this is going to be without a doubt our, our biggest season yet. We're already way, way ahead of last year's schedule in terms of production. Um, and Justin hasn't even started writing. So like, that's what I would say to that. It's going it, to, it'll be worth it. Um, as we continue to get into our groove and find our time and things like that. So um, if you are not subscribed to the Patreon and uh, we'll make sure we make it worth it for y'all. Thanks for listening though, to the free show. We'll be back later this week with the Patreon episode. We need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, Subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A a read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.